Founded in 1682 by William Penn, Europeans first settled in Pennsylvania in 1637, although several tribes of indigenous people occupied the land for centuries before this. Pivotal in the French and Indian Wars, the Seven Years' War, the American Revolution, and the United States Civil War, it is no surprise that with such a rich history, our state has developed a culture that is distinctive and multifaceted. Full of legends and real-life heroes who risked everything for their beliefs, today Pennsylvania retains strong elements of folk culture developed by a combination of ideologies practiced by the varied ethnicities of original settlers, Native Americans, and shared experiences. Legends and lore passed down over centuries reveal philosophies that are as superstitious as they are religious and even scientific, resulting in a microculture found nowhere else. You are listening to Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore, where we believe that behind every great story, there is a nugget of truth. In each episode, your hosts, Ethan and Holly, will attempt to uncover that truth and preserve a part of our incredible Pennsylvanian lifestyle. Hey everybody and welcome back to Pennsylvania Life Legends and Lore. Today we are doing another client story with Buffalo Valley Wealth Plus. And so today we are going to go through, kind of see what they're all about and have some fun. Yeah. Let's get into it. So we have with us Lou and Lance from Buffalo Valley Wealth Plus, and they are two really good guys. Holly and I have worked with, we work with Buffalo Valley Wealth Plus personally, and we've worked with, with Lou and a little bit with Lance, and they have been phenomenal. So should we start out to find out where their business is located? Sure, so if one of you wanna let us know where you guys yeah. are located. Yeah, thanks for having us, first off. But yeah, we're located right in the downtown uh, section there of Biffenburg. Um, so we started started the firm at a different location and quickly realized we wanted to be kind of more in the heart of Miffenburg. So we moved to the downtown uh, section across from the hose company or the old borough building, if you're familiar with Miffenburg. Perfect. When did you guys start Buffalo Valley Wealth Plus and what what was your mission when you guys started and now? I'll, I'll let Lance answer that one because it was a yeah, it was an a, idea that was conceptualized yeah, before I got so, involved. <laughs> I want to say that the business was officially formed in Q1 of 2020. The the premise for what we're doing now, though, I think started with with Mike, my dad, our, our third partner. Um, he was being radio shy. Um, but I, I would say he'd been doing this particular style of investing that makes us unique for the better part of a decade with friends and, and some family. And then the business, basically he outgrew his ability to do that on his own. And at that point we started thinking about, okay, how do we, how can you continue to help more people? Um, but also given that he's gonna need help, he was in a position where he was retired and didn't need to make money out of it, so he never charged friends. But in order to operationalize as a business, you do actually need to have to be able to support you know someone else's livelihood. So we started thinking about who else could could get involved. Ended up with Lou, who I had known through friends and and just as a, a strong community member 
um, and the business actually you know launched after all the regulatory stuff we we looked into in 2019 and 2020. What what would you say your mission is oh. moving forward? Oh, that's a good that's a tough question. So um, the business has grown rapidly. I would say about as quickly as I expected it to grow, but that is pretty fast. So scaling anything is very hard. We want to continue to not have minimums. We want to continue to be able to work with anyone. Um, and in order to do that, you know, we need to grow. We need to bring on more people as teammates, and then you know maintain that same high level of service that we have now. So the goal is certainly to to grow and continue to help clients. And for us as partners or as some of the folks that actually do the advising, the challenge is just continuing to maintain a high level of service while you're also growing um, the business. And in the business, uh, what, what service do you guys offer? Lou, do you want to take a step yeah, here? It's kind of, it's kind of a kind of a five-prong approach. However, we're not mar actively marketing one of the five. But it's kind of a five-prong approach. We have what I guess I'll call more of a traditional investment advising piece. So that is going to be like our revenue driver. That's what you know basically the firm was founded on. So you have the investment advising piece. We have a coaching, which I think as we talk through this, you'll see that we're pretty passionate about the coaching piece out of all five. That's where you're going to get into more, I guess, different situations depending on each individual client on the coaching side. Uh, so you have that as number two. Number three is more of the insurance side. So that's life insurance, Medicare, health insurance. So that kind of all falls together. And then we have taxes. Now, how we kind of started the business was obviously the income investing or the investing wealth management piece of it. Financial coaching so that we take that kind of holistic approach. Um, and if there's a need for any of the other three or four services, then obviously we kind of help them as kind of a one-stop shop, if you will. Okay, and I know, and I know we have used you guys personally, Holly and I, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, I will say that if if you don't have a financial coach yet, they are definitely you guys are definitely doing it right. We were very impressed when we came out. Definitely Appreciate open that. up. It opens up your eyes to things that you think that you should be doing, and versus what you actually should be doing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> It definitely, you know, made us do kind of a 180 on what we were doing, mm -hmm. and now we're doing it the and way that's going to benefit us the most. And things we kind of had concerns about on our end, mm -hmm. you guys made very clear that, hey, it's really not as bad as you, sure. you think. Yeah. Um, so why, why I say, well, I guess why I say why we're passionate about the coaching piece, because the coaching sometimes gets involved in the, the investing side as well, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. why we're passionate on the invest, the coaching piece of the puzzle is the fact that there is no education out there to, mm -hmm. to go get right. the answers to some of your questions. Right. Mm -hmm. um, right. A lot of the, you know, industry kind of has that, that stigma of if I don't have much money, I can't get the help. Mm -hmm. So then you try to do it on your own. You go down a Google rabbit hole and you find yourself no better ahead after mm -hmm. doing that kind of research. So I wanted to offer a service that was cheap enough to get people in the door to kind of show them, you know, this is, it's not that difficult, but here's the, you know, we did the research, here's how you can get yourself ahead. Mm -hmm. Or if they're in a hole, how they dig themselves out of that hole and that right. kind of stuff. Right. Very passionate about it because every situation is different, right? Everybody has mm -hmm. different 
employee benefits, different ways they can invest through their employer, you know, different financial history in terms of how far along they are in terms of kids or if they have a house or if they're renting, if they want to buy, all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, kind of gets thrown into the equation. So. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more to, challenging. Trying to find that all that information on your own is so overwhelming sure. to have somebody yeah. that you can just come explain like every situation that you have and then you guys have all the information mm -hmm. to just kind of point you in the right direction. It's just yep, yeah. amazingly helpful. Yeah, you guys definitely, again, in our experience have, there were things that was just like, that you had pointed out, it's like, you know, if you just do this, it's like, uh, totally makes sense, but I would not have thought of that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's also a lot of differences too in terms of how folks were raised around money, right? So one of the things that I think is really interesting about the financial coaching process, and if I even back up and think about like what's the mission of the firm, a lot of it is around like alleviating financial anxiety, right? And that means a different thing to everyone. And you see it especially in financial coaching. Like folks will have very different emotional relationships with their money. Um, they'll have very different desires to learn or just like have, like be told what to do. Um, and all of those aspects are very hard to, like if you don't align with the client um, and like form a relationship and understand um, why is the person making decisions they're making and do they like really want to understand or do they just want to be told what to do? Um, you can have a misfit there too. So I, I think a lot of the clients, I m mostly work with remote coaching clients, like folks that aren't as local um, and very, there's a very broad approach on like how much do you want to teach versus like teach the fish versus like get the fish. Mm -hmm. And also like, you know, folks who, might have like first generation wealth or or someone who has like tremendous generation like it's a very very um wide swath mm -hmm. and everyone approaches it very differently so you you do deal with more with remote people mm -hmm. as well they don't have to come into your office nope, nope. we, we have local people that just don't yeah. have time to Correct. meet in the office so okay. lance takes a lot of those people and does them off hours yeah just email or in the evenings via like so have, teams or zoom or we whatever. have one person in like what singapore yeah, we have we have oh folks goodness. all we have folks all over, um, but a lot of it too is um, that keeps it interesting for me in particular. Like the the client base that I work with has a lot of just interesting stuff that comes up. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, and I I honestly prefer to work digitally in that way. So um, that gives me the flexibility I need to to do other products as well. So. Mm -hmm. Do you get to travel to Sing Singapore? To be <laughs> not, a, not a company. Not a company. Uh, I, did, I did visit earlier this year. Um, a friend. A friend. But yeah. Might not get approved. Well, I guess I'd be approved my expense, right? But <laughs> there'd be some sort of there'd be some sort of version of that that uh, um, probably wouldn't make it past uh, the finance team. <laughs> but maybe someday. You touched on this a little bit, but uh, what what really made you guys? Uh, choose to start this company in in this industry i mean I, I it conceptualized from the idea of giving the valley is where we're starting but giving the valley a different option of retirement mm -hmm. than the traditional approach so that's where that's where the idea really stemmed from um originally so i mean Lance, you can talk to your own background but yeah. you, you were a finance 
major out of Wharton, and, and that was your background. Mike, Mike was a self-taught investor, and they have been doing it for, for decades, right, of, of investing. So it was it conceptualized as just offering the Valley something different that people can you know have an opportunity to have options. Um, obviously, we're biased, and we think our option is, you know, something to be looked at at least hear you know hear us out yeah. in terms of a different way of looking at retirement. Um, yeah. So that's how the business just kind of conceptualized from there. Yeah, I think to answer the question requires like a little bit of a dive into what what does income investing mean, and specifically, how do we approach like end of end of life like wealth. And that whole situation, right? Like that's the piece that I think really defines what makes income investing at BBWP different, and why I think it's really cool. And I was excited about what my dad was doing and saying, like, hey, you know, don't you want to help more people? Like, people are calling you, you know, once a quarter, twice a quarter, you get another friend of a friend or whatever, and you're telling people no. And the premise is that, like, the the baseline premise is that it doesn't make sense to die the wealthiest you've ever been. Like the day you you pass away, which will all happen to everyone, right? Most of the traditional financial planning models, probably you will die the wealthiest or very close to the wealthiest you've ever been. And most folks, when you show them that, will say that doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> um, and we really adamantly agree with that. So the income investing approach is not just, hey, we're going to buy these certain things instead of these other certain things that that we will have different actual asset allocations to, but it's also going to be an ethos whereby we help folks understand that in many situations, not all situations, but in many situations, um, you should be either spending or passing wealth early or doing philanthropy in some sort of version um, much, much earlier than what what like the book or what the traditional asset management approach might advise. Um, and the reason for that is kind of like that situation where you die really, really wealthy to us is kind of a mistake. Like that usually doesn't make a lot of sense, right. but that's an important piece. Like if a client came in and said, Hey, I want to like pass away with the biggest possible number on my account statement. Um, that is not a good fit for us. And, um, and we make we, it a point to say yeah, we'll, we'll tell them yeah. that. And it's like we can help you do that, but like it's, you're going to be a coaching client, and we're just like going to buy stocks, and like that's pretty much it. And you know you'll probably die really, really wealthy, but it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? You can't eat your money. You can't really enjoy a number. Yeah, but I that, think that also goes to like I feel like people, especially in this area, like they have that mindset of I just need to do that like that's the way it should be and then you know especially coming to you guys has opened our eyes to like it doesn't need to be that way you don't need to just right necessarily like you obviously want to we want to prepare for our future which is mm -hmm. ideally why we came to you guys in the first place but you know you prepare for it but also you want to live your life mm -hmm. And I think you guys have a good way of showing a, people yeah. how to do that, yeah. but still being prepared for yeah. your future. Yeah, it was, for me what was eye-opening was 
get to, and I'm not going to give away your details, that's what people should come, <laughs> should come to you for, I'm not going to give your secrets go, away, but yeah, go for it. get, get to, it's not, it's not a secret, I promise. Get, get to a specific number each year, putting it away. Well, it's, and, more, it's more creating a plan. Yep, right? create a plan, stick to the plan, whatever you make over that, Well, everybody's plan is going to be different. Mm -hmm. You know, we came to you, you guys in our early 30s. Whereas somebody coming to you in their 50s is going to have a different plan. Sure. You know, so, but I think ultimately, like, it really changed my viewpoint on a lot of things that, you know, you grow up thinking one way about your finances when in reality you can do things a whole different way. And that, and that goes back to the just lack of education. Absolutely. On the personal finance side. Absolutely. Not necessarily overall finance, but just personal finance side. There's just lack. Mm -hmm. Lack of education, not only in the area, it's just overall. There's, Absolutely. Uh, we want to be that resource so that, you know, any question pops up in the middle of the night, you shoot an email. A lot of times Lance is going to be the one to get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Singapore in the middle of the night. It's like perfect. It was great. But if, there, seriously, the if there's a question that comes up, you know, you're, you're doing your own research for something, which you know, doesn't mean just because you work with us, you can't do anymore, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're doing your own research and you just have a question, you can yeah. shoot it over and right. that's all you know, included in the financial coaching. So. And, and that was one thing that impressed me with you guys as well is I remember when you came in, you just or when we came in, when we were kind of wrapping things up, you just said, hey, any financial decisions that you are not yep. sure about, call. Yep. And mm -hmm. we'll let you know if yeah, just, it's good or how you should approach it. We want we want you to feel like we're just an extra peg yep. in your family when you're making yeah. those decisions. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Right. We're getting ready to buy another car. I think I know this is what I'm going to do, but let me just shoot this over right. to BBWP and just get the right. You know, yes, my, we're doing the right thing. My favorite meetings are the rent versus buy meetings, and I have more of them with folks who are in urban areas um, than than here. Um, but that that like framework for how you think about should I keep renting or should I buy is clouded in a lot of like social stigma might even be the right word around like how do we feel about owning something versus renting something and I've probably had that gone through a very similar exercise with different numbers um, but the same framework maybe half a dozen to a dozen times and every time coming out of that meeting I've truly felt like the client learned something um, and appreciated having a framework to think about it um, because the idea for example knowledge nugget right like the idea that renting is always throwing money away mm -hmm. is like really harmful <laughs> like that is not that's a very effective way to get people to buy houses but um like it's not it's not that simple right so that's a good that's a good coaching one that I do a lot and uh, this is jumping a little bit but how do you guys give back to the community um, and this is just to start I know a very 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 big part of your guys's business um, because well I'm just dealing with you guys I've heard a lot of it and seen a lot of it um, so if you'd like to elaborate on that a little bit why don't you jump in? Let me take it. You're, you're, okay, you're so, a lot of the so there's a few outside, even outside yeah, there's a few programs that that BBWP and, and we funded that are just like they're aligned philanthropy, right? So it's not like 
Um, the program that immediately comes to mind is the EVAN Mobile Medical Unit, right? We funded that program um, in Mifflinburg because it's important, like social services are a really effective way to, to have good impact on the philanthropy dollar, but also um, it aligns with what we're doing in Affordable Care Act, um, and in some cases Medicare, but um, it's well aligned. Some of the other just philanthropy pieces we've done, we've done stuff like fishing derby or you know various community events. That's a, that stuff's important, um, like football team ads, all that kind of stuff in Mifflinburg. But I would tell you that like dollar philanthropy only goes so far. To me, the coaching service. When I think about like the time that actually goes into that service, in many ways, that is a service that is. Um, it's priced in a way that there's still buy-in from the client, so it's not it's not free, but it's also not priced in a way that is always commensurate with the actual amount of hours or effort. So I think that the coaching service, in many cases, is able to help a client that would not be able to afford if we charged a more standard, industry standard, like hourly rate for what we do. Um, and in that way, I think that's, that's, I think, the biggest community give back we do, even outside of, like, when you see a BBWP logo on something, right? We, mm -hmm. you know, cut a check. Um, so. Yeah, offer, offering education to the community is, and I just getting ready for this, I mean, what we charge for the financial coaching aligns with, like, Netflix subscription. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, right? And people are just not, they don't think twice about getting a Netflix subscription, but they we see people that should walk in the door and get a financial coaching subscription um but don't so mm -hmm. you know that's what we want to do is get the education out there and hopefully that will you know uplift allow people to do some of the research on their own and get mm -hmm. where they need to be financially and should uplift all of Mifflinburg hopefully so for people who don't know you guys you guys have a I don't want to call it a secret <laughs> business that you guys have, but it's a, you guys don't make it super known, you just do it. And that is your kind of, I don't want to call it real estate side, but I guess that's really what it is. Just trying to bring back businesses to Mifflinburg. Um, okay, so I think point of clarity is helpful. Um, yeah. So the BBWP RE owns the building yep. that BBWP leases from. Yep. We have other tenants there as well, residential mm -hmm. tenants, but it's not really like a project. Yep. The effort that's trying to modernize like downtown stuff, is that what you're doing? Yeah, at? kind of bring business back okay. into town. That's a separate team, okay. a group of folks. Which is worth... Which, yeah, which sure, 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 we sure. Yeah, well, well, then, <laughs> well, then, well, then, but that's separate from. Well, then we'll the, touch the, on that in a separate episode because BBWPRE. Oh, this is kind of funny. BBWPRE is a good partner in that project. You know, painted the building, did some stuff that doesn't yeah. always have a huge ROI, and like helps. But yeah, there's some overlap there. I'd say between the, the different efforts. Yeah, you. We'll, <laughs> we'll bring you guys back for that portion because that is a very. Yeah, it, that it's, is a, worth, it's worth another... That is a very, very awesome segment, thing that you guys yeah. are doing, and that has always uh, impressed me. And you guys just, both of you happen mm -hmm. to be part of that. So yeah. we'll have to touch on that in another episode. Yeah, totally cool. Can you guys step us through, like, so if somebody was interested in your services, like, how do they go about it? What do you guys do? Kind of give 
just a brief overview for somebody who's like, okay, this might be something for me. Mm -hmm. How do you guys go about new clients? Yep, yep. So Mike and I are really in the office day to day. Lance does some of the community involvement stuff during the day and then handles more of the coaching guys that are outside the area. But so if it's somebody who reaches out via email or website or whatever, and they are out of the area, we do pass them along to Lance and schedule their meetings that way. But in the office, you know, we get people in for their first meeting and we try to make it known that the first meeting, we don't charge anything. What we're trying to do is fact find, you know, let the client come in with as much or as little information as they want to come in with, but as much information as they have, try to get a synopsis of their entire financial situation and kind of show them what we would be able to help with so that when they leave there, they have a list of homework assignments, if you will, to bring back so we can get started on, you know, trying to get their finances narrowed down and on the right path. Mm -hmm. Financial coaching side, it's, it's usually that most of the work happens very early on, right? So first meeting is fact-finding, second meeting is basically onboarding as a client and starting those steps. After that, it's usually two or three meetings until we have everything kind of narrowed down where we want it to go. And then from there, it's, you know, use us as little or as much as you possibly want okay. from there. I mean, we have clients that would use us once a month, it seemed like. Then you had some that you know, wouldn't say anything and, and an anniversary would come up and we'd bring them in and it's, they did something throughout that year that they probably should have reached out for. Okay. Um, so I'd say our, our most common grief, if you will, is that people don't use us as much as they could. Mm -hmm. they, yeah. they could, right. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you want to become a coaching client, you want to come in once a month just to throw some stuff against the wall, happy to listen. Mm -hmm. Go from there. And there, there's sometimes that people come in with questions that are just their accounting, you know, accountant questions or mm -hmm. lawyer questions, and you know, we'll say, hey, look, that's out of our area of expertise. This is what we think on the financial side, but go schedule mm -hmm. a meeting with X, Y, Z. Okay. To do that. Yeah, we do a lot of referring to lawyers and CPAs. Okay. Right. Or mm -hmm. other like property casualty type insurance stuff we'll refer out to you. But. Yeah, that's part. Of, that's part of our onboarding is you know even on the insurance side we refer here, but. Uh, on the insurance side, you know, where do you get your auto and home? And if yeah. if mm -hmm. it's a captive agent, we say, hey, this is what an independent agent is. Right. And people don't even understand the difference mm -hmm. and send them this way. So, right. yeah, it's it's a obviously a step process with the first one just being come in, let's listen, mm -hmm. no charge. We'll see what, if we can help. There, there have been a couple of clients that are pretty square away. Okay. And we said, look, you know what you're doing. You're doing a great job. Keep doing it. Good. And if you have questions that are, you know, get a little bit deeper and you want to come back in to become a coaching client, then yeah, but mm -hmm. you're you're good to go. And sometimes people just need that reassurance yep. of, yep. you got mm -hmm. it, yep, totally. you're on the right path, yep. keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I made some really big financial decisions about a year and a half ago, and I got a financial advisor, like mm -hmm. someone who I felt was reasonably qualified, independent, not my dad or, yeah. <laughs> or just to get another, yeah, just to get another set of eyes on just, me. If I could pay someone 200 bucks a year that was just available whenever, like I would do it too. Mm -hmm. So I think it's pretty good value for almost everyone. What do you guys uh, find that to be the most challenging part of what you do? Oh, I, I a would good say, yeah, <laughs> yeah it made, it made me think. I even read these questions before I came. Uh, Thinking is good. I would say, I would say, I guess, frustrating piece. Yeah, it's challenging. Would be there are there are, I guess, 
ideologies in our area of how how to service your your debts and stuff like that that we try to work through and there are people that come in for the coaching service where we'll have a sit-down meeting and, and come up with a very clear plan they're agreeing on it everything looks good to go yet they just can't get over the hump and, and actually make those changes. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a little bit frustrating. There are some people who just don't put personal finance at the top of the priority list. And for us who are in the industry can be a mm -hmm. little bit frustrating. Outside of that, I don't see anything as being too difficult, challenging, but frustrating at times. Yeah. Right, you're like, I'm giving you the answer. <laughs> just like, just take it and yeah. go. Yeah. yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm okay with that if I feel like if someone has a that's a two and five eighths mortgage right now, and they have it for 27 more years, and they're like paying extra on it. That like makes me want to explode, right? Like that's great debt, like do not pay extra. But if it makes the person feel better, then it's like, okay, my job is to alleviate anxiety, you're less anxious, great. But I, I mean, I have two clear ones for me. Some, I've worked with a few clients, not a ton, that are truly in like a poverty finance type situation, like massive credit card debt, like really stuck. And I have not succeeded, or what I, not all of those folks have really like adjusted that situation. I've worked with them. And I can think of two specifically where I felt like, it's a little bit of like you bring it back in yourself. It's like, okay, what could I have done differently, right? It's that like cycle of, I don't know, some kind of. Self-doubt. Self-doubt or like uh -huh. shame. Like, oh, I should present this differently or right. I should have, you know, what should have, could have, would have over and over again for a couple of those folks um, that weren't successful. Those are the hardest situations. Like I said, we don't get it a lot, primarily because a lot of those folks don't even think that like a financial advisor is for them, mm -hmm. right? The success stories in that those spaces are fantastic, but um, it's always tough when it's like, man, I can see a path out of here, but like there's a lot of lifestyle and habit changes that need to happen. And that starts to like get a little bit out of definitely out of our area of expertise mm -hmm. so that's the first piece like the some of the poverty finance situations are really challenging then the second piece is just like internal i mean like my dad and i butt heads frequently. <laughs> um, i think that's that's just a function of it's almost never like i struggle to think of a moment where it's on like what should a client do or like what's a good mm -hmm. investment it's always like business internal stuff like marketing mm -hmm. like, constantly arguing mm -hmm. i like basically gave up it's like, <laughs> like you know so stuff like that's tough the joys yeah, of working with family yeah i think it's tough we to work with family right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly exactly and you know it's usually civil but um it's still tough so mm -hmm. You definitely have to make, you have to be ready to do the things that you guys are willing to offer. You know, mm -hmm. if people are just coming to you for advice and aren't willing to take the steps, the next steps to do mm -hmm. it, you and know, that, that a, would be frustrating. So there are coaching clients that we end up not actually working with, and the challenge there is just that one spouse wants to make the changes and the other one does not. Okay. And if you don't get both spouses on board, yeah. it just... Yeah. You're just yeah. going to spin your wheels. It's some just of, not going to get there. Yeah, some of the, it's like really, really hard. Um, sometimes the changes are like, like, that's why I brought up like, how were you raised around money? You know, if you saw your whole cycle things done a certain way, and now we're like, oh, it's super easy. Just forget everything you've learned the past exactly. 30 years. Exactly. Like, <laughs> that's not an effective way to communicate with, with a client. And, and at the same time, like maybe you have that, dialogue the first time and it's just not the time for that person yet. like they're not there mm -hmm. buying from like mm -hmm. all the stakeholders like Lou mm -hmm. said like 
you, if you're gonna make big changes, um, like household finances, everyone has to be on board, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I think sometimes it feels like a failure because it's hard and it's just hard. <laughs> and you know, maybe that you get, you're able to, to help that person in some way. But um, you know, there's a lot of like a lot of relationship therapy dynamic stuff that happens around money mm -hmm. and we we're not qualified or positioned <laughs> qualified or positioned to do that um we can help with like here's objectively what will help but the the behavioral change stuff is really hard and and usually where some of this gets blocked down mm -hmm. so well and like in our situation like <clears throat> It took one simple, like, for, for our biggest financial stressor, it took, like, one fix that Lou provided for us. Yeah. And it, it really, we had to change how we did things. We were mm -hmm. like, okay, we're not going to eat out. We're not going to, you know, spend on lavish things because we're going to take care of this first. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I see if we both weren't on board for that, mm -hmm. like, that would never work. So... Yeah. But, you know, it could take one easy fix to yeah. alleviate one huge burden mm -hmm. for people. And, and that's, I feel like, the biggest stressor for people. Finances, money is yeah. huge. Yeah. I'm pretty sure outside of infidelity, finances are, like, the biggest reason why people... Oh, I, I bet. Mm -hmm. I bet. So. I'm going to add to this question a little bit. We had a question, what, what do you define as success? But I would add to that, what do you define as financial success for an individual person, for one of your clients? There's a lot that goes into that. I mean, it, that's where the fact finding um, at the beginning, you know, part of that fact finding me is just what are your goals? You know, you, you have, obviously you can make tangible goals of a dollar amount and once you get there that's successful. Um, but everybody's different I and mean, we have some people who are looking to retire by 45, right? So how do we make a clear path to get there? Um, so I, I define success with the client of Did we you know ask all those kinds of questions? Did we create a plan to reach their their goal? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily ours because you know th there might be a few things that we would do slightly differently based on our own you know lives and biases, but you know, did we ask them those right questions, make that goal, and did we get, did we make a plan to get there? Mm -hmm. I just keep going back to anxiety, right? Like, is the client content? Um, and that can be, usually there's a noticeable difference between like the first meeting and like the oh, checkups that are happening definitely. 18 months yeah. later and things like that after you've worked together and made some, some changes. And that contentment is so drastically different for every person. Like there are folks with, what I would consider tremendous resources that are still anxious about like being able to pay for a nursing home or, or some other expenditure. And then there are folks with like fewer objective resources that feel very comfortable. And the version of that that is success for me is the version where the client feels comfortable. Like they're actually able to focus on living their life, whether it's family, friends, vacation, you know, some hobby that might require them to have large expenditures every once in a while, who knows? But like being able to do that thing, um, those things rather, that's what feels like success. Whereas like the number 
really is not. There are a lot of people with tremendous wealth that are very discontent. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's what it looks like for me. So if you're willing to share this area, are there basic wealth management principles that you advise all clients to follow? So all I would say no, because everyone's different, right? But um, for most folks, and you're, is the question specific to this area? Like you're looking for, understand, okay. So most folks, I think, have too little debt, um, like productive debt. And that is probably not unique to this area, but like paying down debt early is usually, usually, and like an objective financial mistake. That said, for most people, it makes them feel mm -hmm. very, very good. So that's, that's in the bucket of advice that I, I'll say it like once. And then if I can tell the person like doesn't care, they're like, I don't care what you're saying, Lance. Like, <laughs> it makes me feel good. It's like, okay, well, I won't do it anymore. <laughs> um, so that's a big one. The debt, like if you look at a, a very wealthy person, like an ultra wealthy person, they will almost always have a substantial amount of debt, right? Even big companies, there was a while where Apple would borrow money because it was so cheap just so they could pay dividends, right? Like there are a lot of good reasons to use debt. The second thing I would say is that the resources that you can be content with is usually more important than what you earn. So if you think about like saving for retirement, which is what most people are anxious about, sometimes it's college aid or a house or something like that, but usually the one most folks are anxious about is like, will I have enough money to retire? If you can be happy with less, like the, the classic example, we're a, a little bit different from this, but the classic example is like for every dollar you need to consume a year to be happy or like have what you need, you need to save $25, right? So that means that for every dollar you can consume less, you like don't have to get 25. So finding ways to be content with less financial things, like less money and maybe other parts of the world in life, that's almost always good as well. So those are two pretty universal ones that kind of underlines some of the some of the dialogue I have. The debt comes up objectively. The content with less usually comes up in the context of lifestyle inflation, which is like, hey, you're making a lot more money now, but if you keep spending a lot more money, you're gonna have to work just as long and just as hard. And like maybe that job's intense and it's gonna burn you out faster. And that's something that comes up frequently with clients in urban areas a lot. It's like, oh you're a lawyer, but like it sucks your life away and you're working like 100 hours a week um, well if you start if it starts to become like you need that 200 dollars dinner to be happy that's going to be like a problem for your plan <laughs> to like quit you know when you're you know 29 or whatever i'd say get started early there's no substitute for time yeah, super mm -hmm. true um you know power compounding is just there is no substitute for time find and finding a place for the education you know, mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be us, right? Obviously, we're biased, but um, <laughs> finding a place for where you can get that education because the uh, most common fix at the beginning is just sequencing. You know, people don't know the different rules of the different accounts they can invest in for mm -hmm. retirement and how that sequencing should be 
Um, once you do that, a lot of times you create a plan and the anxiety kind of lifts mm -hmm. off your shoulders because now I have a plan. This is what I'm going to do. This is what's going to get invested and we live off the difference. Mm -hmm. Great. So yeah, get started early and find a place to get that education. Perfect. That I works. think changing people's mindsets is, is a big part of your job. And I can't like hmm. reiterate that enough. Yeah. Like we, after our first meeting, like it was just, I should just throw away everything that I have ever like thought about and just yeah, I don't know. start with a mm -hmm. blank slate because you, and I feel like it's, it's a lot in this area where, you know, like Lance said, people want to be debt free. You don't want to have debt. You want to pay off your mortgage. You want to pay off your cars. Mm -hmm. You want to do all these things. And that's not necessarily the best route for you to take. Depends. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And it just, I think going into, you know, any sort of meeting with you guys with just an open mindset that, you mm -hmm. know, what you're doing may seem what's like what's comfortable for you, but you might have to mm -hmm. step outside of that comfort to, to achieve those goals. Yep. And you guys present the, the facts to back that. And, that, and that's what I would advise people listening is when they come to see you, you have, listen, the sound may, maybe is different than what you're used to, but here are the facts. Yeah, we're not going to say just take on half a million dollars worth of debt. We're going to yeah. tell you why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> walk back. I'll give you a great example. Okay, so objective example. All right. It's super true. Right? What Lou's saying is fair. You need to like actually talk about this a little more. So back to the mortgage that's two and five eighths, right? If you have a... 27 years left on a two and five eighths mortgage, and you put a thousand dollars extra a year on that, that saves you how much, right? About $26. Okay, if you take that thousand dollars, and right now you could put it in a like one year CD of brokered C for probably five and a quarter percent, right? You make $52.50. So, like, which one of those things is better? Mm -hmm. And what that's literally twice as good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and bo both are guaranteed, right? The CD is guaranteed. If you pay down debt early, it's an immediate return too. So every time you pay extra, you're destroying money. But if it feels better to you, if it feels like $27, feels $27 with a feel good to have your mortgage number be less, then like, I have to respect that. That's your financial advice. I'm gonna cringe doing it. And I'll add a little tidbit too, because obviously we learned a lot of our financial habits from our parents. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Their mortgages weren't two and a half percent. Right, we're right. just in a yes, different yes, time yes. right now. Right. So right. they sure. might have been throwing money at their mortgage, extra money at their mortgage when sure. they were, you know, younger. Twelve, fifteen, whatever. Right. Yeah, it might have been right. twelve or fifteen yeah, percent. Exactly. We're just in a different time right now. So there is such thing as good debt, and that seems to be, yeah. you know, kind of a hard thing to kind of. Yeah, right. That's one of my shticks. Right. <laughs> sure. Right. Sure. But yeah. Just wanted to add that. That's it's a good. <laughs> yeah. good people are people are afraid of the word debt, and it just yeah carries a stigma sure. that isn't necessarily. Sometimes it's, it's usually mortgage thing, debt. But <laughs> it's usually mortgage debt that's good that I see and people want to pay off early, and sometimes student loan debt that mm -hmm. is like healthy and they want to pay off early. It's never like credit card debt. I'm like, no, keep paying 27%, keep paying 20%. Right. That is not what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so I appreciate Lou uh, like pulling me back. Well, yeah. I, that's just depends. Yeah, it depends. Do you guys have any other wealths of knowledge that you guys want to share? <laughs> wow. That's a groaner. Um, no, I think it makes sense. Appreciate yeah, being asked to come on and talk about stuff. It's yeah. We are 
the, I mean, the agency itself, we're very strong advocates for you, but Holly and I as well are very, very strong advocates because we... I know, I've talked to people about you guys. Oh yeah, guys. we've Just definitely... I, and I don't remember if I told you this, but the first time we met with you guys, we were ready to pull the trigger in the office, but I just needed to confirm, <laughs> and she needed to confirm that we were both on the same page, but yeah, we walked right that's... out the door, and it's like, yep, that makes sense, we're doing it. Yeah, we, we don't let anybody really make a decision right in the office the first meeting. Yeah. We, we let them make them go home, think about it, come back, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, financial coaching fits almost everybody, but especially the, the wealth management, that's a big decision. Mm -hmm. Like, you shouldn't just go to one place and just... Yeah. Sign up. You should go and check with different financial advisors in our area. Back to your earlier question about advice you give to everyone, you should talk to multiple financial advisors. You should talk to at least three if it's like your retirement nest egg, and you should ask them hard questions like, how do you get paid, right? Mm -hmm. No no financial advisor, in my opinion. Well, what <laughs> who, are you talking about? Well, no, it's just they shouldn't be, right, <laughs> afraid to discuss how they're compensated, right? You should understand that. It's a job. People have to get paid. They have to eat too. But um, those are conversations that I encourage folks to have when they when they come in. It's like you need to know this stuff um, so you understand you know, how it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, good. Good. Well, thank you guys for hopping on with us and you know sharing you know what your business is about and hopefully we can help some people in our community and you know, get some people into you guys to, you know, discuss what can be best for them and... And we'll have you, Thanks for having us. We'll yeah, have you back fun. for, uh, talk about revamp in Mifflinburg, because that, <laughs> yep, that is... Yeah, the stuff? Yep, that is... Yeah, we can get a crew for that. That is an important for the community of Mifflinburg, so... Yep. Well, thank you guys. Thank cool. you. If you liked what you heard in this episode, be sure to follow Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore on your preferred podcast platform to stay up to date on new content. Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore is produced by Harv Productions, LLC.